Hello, everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell with News and Views on Thursday, August 30th, 2018. Uh, a really early News and Views. I haven't been able to get to sleep all night, so I've been up cleaning the house and uh, doing other things. And I thought I'd get this News and Views out of the way because uh, when I checked my inbox this morning, I found an article on RT that is big news. <laughs> And that's all I can tell you. Uh, but before I get to that, just a couple of announcements. There is no vid chat tomorrow. I haven't made out the schedule yet. Uh, I'm planning to do that, I think, this weekend. Um, so just be checking the schedule. I suspect that the next vid chat is going to be two weeks from tomorrow. Uh, but I, I'm kind of waiting to hear some information to make a determination on the schedule for next month, which could be change at the last minute, so make sure all you uh, members of the website keep checking the schedule because things are going to be kind of up in the air this month, I think. All right, now let's get to the big news. I'm going to be reading most of this article, and then I'm going to be reading a lot between the lines, okay? Um, there's so much going on here, I think, uh, and it really, really is a huge and significant development for particularly those of you who tune into the news and views in the Pacific, uh, those people listening in Indonesia and the Philippines, China, uh, Australia, we've got some in Japan as well. So this is, this is big news. All right. The article on RT and I've linked it for you or will link it for you on YouTube is titled Orient Express Japan tests freight transportation across Russia via the Trans-Siberian Railway. All right, this was published just yesterday. And I'm going to be reading uh, a couple of, uh, about five paragraphs from the beginning of this article and then close with the last two paragraphs of this article. In other words, most of the article. And then I want to go back and read between the lines. But before I do that, I want to have you recall what my thesis on the geopolitics going on in the Pacific is actually taking place. Uh, we hear a lot about the cooperation between China and Russia in the so-called Shanghai Accords, or as it's otherwise known, the BRICS bloc, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, to help develop China's Silk Road. But I've pointed out over and over again that as far as Russia is concerned, Russia does not want to uh, dominate China, but it certainly doesn't want to be dominated by China. But it needs Chinese money to expand that infrastructure in Siberia that uh, Mr. Putin wants to develop, particularly uh, with the rise in Russian agricultural production and, and uh, industrial facilities in Siberia. So he's thinking about a vast expansion. So the other way to do this is with the other big economic and technological powerhouse in Asia, and that's Japan. And I've pointed out that the Russo-Japanese talks have been proceeding very quietly. We don't hear much about them, but they've been proceeding with some uh, speed because in their last summit meeting, President Putin and Prime Minister Shinzo Abe of Japan decided to set aside what has been the stumbling block in Russo-Japanese negotiations. And that's the status of the Kuril Islands, those northern islands that were taken 
by Russia right at the end of World War II from Japan. This has always been a stumbling block. Well, what they decided to do was table the sovereign status and simply make that kind of a free trade zone between the two countries, which, uh, if you recall, I decided that was a signal that we're going to be watching some huge trade negotiations between Russia and Japan, and Japan is going to go into these as a counterbalance to China to check China's uh, influence in Russia and provide capital for Russian expansion. So from the standpoint of trade between the two countries, this is kind of a win-win situation. So with that background in mind, I want to read uh, most of this article from RT and then go back and read between the lines because I think there's a lot going on here. I'm going to be speculating, but I think there's a lot more going on uh, between uh, Russia and China, or pardon me, Russia and Japan, than meets the eye. All right, here we go. <clears throat> Test shipments of Japanese goods to Russia using a C-Link and the longest railway line in the world, the Trans-Siberian Railway, began Wednesday in Yokohama, Japan. Quote, this is a significant event for Russia and Japan. The project literally ties our two countries together, unquote. The Deputy Minister of Russia's Economic Development, Sergei Gorkov, told TASS. He expressed confidence that the project will, quote, become a symbol of Russian-Japanese friendship and a bridge between our countries, unquote. Japan's Deputy Minister of State Lands, Infrastructure, Transport, and Tourism, Toshihiro uh, Matsumoto, noted that the Trans-Siberian Railway, listen to these words, has great development potential, both for Russia and Japan. Quote, we believe that Japanese companies are interested in using this route. And I hope that we will reach a deeper understanding between the carriers of the two countries in the process of implementing this pilot project, unquote, he said. The shipments will be carried out in containers, listen to this, fitted with temperature, humidity, and vibration sensors. Now, I want you to bear that one in mind because uh, that plays a part in my speculation. All right, now I'm skipping to the last two paragraphs of this article here. Current freight transport between Japan and Russia uses mainly sea and air routes. It takes between 53 and 62 days to ship freight from Japan to Moscow using a sea route that crosses the Indian Ocean. The new freight route via the railway will significantly cut transportation time between the two countries and costs could be reduced by up to 40%. The Trans-Siberian Railway connects Moscow with the Russian Far East with a travel time of seven days. It is a 9,289-kilometer or 5,772 miles in length and spans a record eight time zones. And, of course, for those of you who don't know the history of the Trans-Siberian, this was a project uh, that was dreamed about in the late 19th century and then finally implemented uh, by the by the Tsar, Russian, uh, Russian Tsar at the time, Nicholas II, and it was finally completed. But the, the root of the Trans-Siberian, therefore, is, is rather old, all right? Now, as far as I know, the Trans-Siberian Railway is in many places a single track. However, much of the Trans-Siberian 
uh, became a double track uh, railway, if I'm not mistaken, during the Soviet era to make shipment back and forth even easier. So now this whole thing, folks, I'm reading a lot between the lines here and I'm speculating, but you'll note that this first Japanese shipment from Yokohama to Moscow uh, across the Sea of Japan, which again is a very short sea lane, and it would be very, very difficult for any potential enemy or enemies <laughs> to, to interdict that sea, uh, that sea lane between Russia and Japan, especially considering Japanese rearmament and the fact that they're building naval vessels as fast as they can slap them out, and the Russian Navy as well. So think of who other potential enemies those two countries might have in that area, <laughs> okay? But what interests me here, folks, is, is that this first shipment is a test, and the freight is apparently uh, of containers fitted with temperature, humidity, and vibration sensors. And that tells me that what they intend to be shipping, at least from Japan to Russia, is some technological and perhaps uh, even some uh, food stuff uh, going from Japan to Russia and then vice versa, and possibly even some high-tech stuff from Russia to Japan. And I suspect that part of the reason for this is that the Japanese are, as I predicted, thinking along with the Russians about using Japanese money and Japanese high-speed railroad technology, not only to expand the Trans-Siberian, but to turn it into a genuinely uh, and the world's longest high-speed railway. All right, this is what I think the long-term goal here is. And if that's the case, that will cut that shipping time down even more and make movement of, uh, of course, of people uh, between the two countries a, a bit safer and faster as well that you, for people that don't want to fly, but primarily freight here. I think they're thinking of high-speed freight and a massive expansion of the Trans-Siberian. So the test thing here is, I think, a clue that we have to watch for big Japanese capital investments, big announcements coming out between Russia and Japan about the development of Siberia. Now, Japan is going to play hardball here, and they're probably going to press the Russians again on the issue of, of the Kuril Islands. But I suspect that that issue is, is going to be turned into kind of, as I think is already happening, a kind of a free trade zone where both countries will have some sort of administrative and economic say in the region. All right. Now, uh, I've mentioned the test and the possibility that this is being done to see where the Trans-Siberian most needs to be modernized, uh, rail routes shortened and so on, where they can lay double track, uh, create yards and so on and so forth for switching cargo and trains around. The third thing that I think is really peculiar here and it's something that's not mentioned in the article, but it's kind of hovering in the background and it's very significant. We've just seen Germany in Europe balk at the American sanctions against Russia and call for an independent European means of financial clearing independent of SWIFT. All right. In other words, Germany has had it 
And that means, you know, given the politics of the European Union, that the European Union has had it with kowtowing to America because of America's uh, basic control of international financial clearing via the SWIFT network based in, in Brussels, Belgium. Now, what's peculiar here is that the sanctions regime against Russia appears not to have affected Japan. And if there was any message from Washington to Japan not to go ahead with this, it's not hitting the news. And even if it did, I, if there was such a warning, if it did hit the news, it would be an embarrassment because apparently if such a message was sent to Japan, Tokyo is ignoring it, <laughs> okay, which to me is huge because I said several years ago when, when Shinzo Abe, the current prime minister of Japan, removed the Japanese constitutional restriction that Japanese defense spending was not to be in excess of 1% of the gross domestic product of Japan. Well, that ceiling has since been thrown out by Abe's government, and Japan is rearming rather quickly, but quietly, all right? So, and I warned people at the time that Japan would be doing this, number one, because of pressure on the United States to assume a greater share of its own defense. but And Japan was willing to play ball with that agenda, but that the long-term agenda was to rearm to eventually get out altogether from underneath the American umbrella. And I suspect that if my reading of the lack of any sanctions mention here uh, on Japan, you know, if, if we can sanction German firms for dealing with Russia, why aren't we sanctioning the Japanese firms for dealing with Russia? So there's something going on here, big news, that the sanctions regime is not exerting the pressure on Japan and if it did, if any such message was sent behind the scenes, not reported on the media, Japan's ignoring it. So this is huge, folks. I think we're seeing the beginning of a long-term economic infrastructure development here in East Asia. And it's going to be very interesting now to see if Mr. Putin can maintain this balancing act between China and Japan. Uh, I suspect in the long term that Russia will not be able to do so. And I suspect in the long term, notwithstanding the fact of the uh, recent historical associations between Russia and China, that ultimately Russia will probably throw its cards in with Japan, believe it or not, not in spite of the fact that they were uh, for a brief period of time, bitter enemies both before and then shortly towards the end of World War II. So this is going to be very, very interesting to watch. Uh, I think there's some long-term developments. There's some things hidden here behind the lines, the test uh, to see about how to expand the Trans-Siberian, the test indicating that perhaps the plan is to ship a lot of high-tech goods and so on and so forth. So this is going to be very, very interesting to watch, folks. Uh, a huge development, big news, um, and it kind of confirms what I suspect has been going on between those two countries 
ever since the uh, Putin-Abe summit, if not before. Anyway, that's it for today's news and views. Remember, no vid chat tomorrow. Uh, I'm expecting probably the next vid chat will be in two weeks, but I haven't made the schedule yet, so keep uh, checking on that on, on the website because I'll probably be getting the schedule up either Saturday or Sunday, no, no later than next week, I would think. Anyway, that's it, folks. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you on the flip side. Bye-bye, and God bless.